after I realised he definitely wasn't going to shoot me, or I didn't think he was going to shoot me, I upped the fucking odds a bit. I was like, if you're going to pull the fucking trigger, pull the trigger. If not, you're all sacked. Hello everyone and welcome to Prelude, where we feature everyday people from all walks of life who have compelling and authentic personal experience stories that they want to share with the world. And in this episode of Prelude, we feature Andy Rogers from Brighton. Andy shares with us his stories of personal life discoveries, firstly about the upbringing he knew about and what he later found out by absolute chance. Previously an owner and operator of a string of successful nightclubs across the UK, Andy then delves into a change of scene prompted by sudden instinct and recreating himself and his path, all driven by necessity. This is a story about the mindset needed to absorb the surprises that life can sometimes throw our way and the tenacity and honesty required in order to make the necessary changes and adjustments. So without further delay, here is Andy's story. My name is Andrew Rogers. I'm 50. I live in Brighton at the moment, but I was born in London and uh, lived in various places in between. I spent some time in California. Um, I was in Switzerland for a little while. I spent five, six years in Dallas because of uh, who I was seeing at the time. And uh, he was from Dallas. I knew that I was gay when I was quite young, right? I always had a bit of a, a bit of a problem with it. Well, I don't know if I did. I've, see, I've never ever told anyone that I'm gay, right? They've either worked it out or they just never asked. Because I'm not, I guess, I don't necessarily come off as like somebody who marches in the moustache parade every year. <laughs> um, so I was, yeah, I grew up in London. I was, I was naughty. I, I was naughty to a point. I would never. I think you get to a crossroads in life, and I remember mine. I, <clears throat> I, um, somebody I know, knew had just got fatally stabbed. It was in that time of like 80s proper nasty football hooliganism and all the rest of it, and proper nasty like people, you know. And I, I don't really know what happened because I wasn't there, but he got stabbed in the back of half a dozen times, you know, and I, and I kind of took stock and thought if I go down that route I'm fucked and if I go down that route I'm not so fucked but dealing with that like when I was when I was quite young and then kind of I was again I was always on the outskirts of it I would I, would, I always keep my distance from every kind of situation unless I feel quite unless I feel really really comfortable but even then it's it's uh it's always usually at a distance I come from quite a uh, a well-to-do family, if you like. You know, my parents were good to me. I went to a good school. I never needed anything. I never wanted for anything. But I was always kind of aware and astute of people who didn't have much. I've been quite fortunate, don't get me wrong. Um, but I've had, you know, it's been up and down. It's been very up and down. And I've always done everything off my own back. I found out I was adopted because I was arguing with my sister and she threw a hairbrush at me down the stairs going, you're not my real brother anyway. I reckon I was about 10. <laughs> it never, it was never a big deal for me. It was never uh, an issue. Um, I was adopted and that was that. And it never, it never really kind of 
was a big deal until, well, until uh, a friend of ours, he did a DNA search online. I did the DNA test probably about three years ago, something like that. So I was 40, 46, 40, 47 around that. Um, I, I knew that I was adopted. I just wondered whether, you know, it's, it's like an easy, it was an easy way to do All you have to do is just like spit in the tube, send your tube off and something comes back or it doesn't. But... <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. What came back <laughs> is a whole massive story. And basically what happened was that, that my uncle, my blood uncle contacted me, or I contacted him and said, I don't know whether you know or not, but um, I am possibly related to you and um, we're percent DNA match, which is like basically you're either my dad or, or a very, very close relative. And it turns out he was my uncle, um, and we'd had a f- we had a few kind of backwards and forwards. It turns out I come from my my. There's like I got like nine aunts and uncles. I, when I met him, I said, "Look, I'm not looking for anything. I don't want <laughs> to cause a situation. The last thing I want to do. I was like, if it's going to be a big deal, please don't pursue it. It's it's uh it's not it's not a big deal. Anyway, it, it went on for a little while and um. He came back to me and he said, I've spoke to your mother, birth mum, and she doesn't want anything to do with you. She doesn't want any contact, or et cetera, et cetera, which is fine. And I was just like, well, you know what? It is what it is. It's, it, it's only my curiosity. I'm not looking for any sort of recognition or anything. It's not going to make me complete or anything like that. So we left it a little while and we, he and I stayed in touch and we, we are still in touch, but it turns out what he said was not true. <laughs> I then got get an email from a woman called Myra, who is my aunt, who obviously is, is my mum's sister. And she said that Andrew, that he, um, his, his, my uncle's name is Andrew as well. She said that Andrew's not entirely telling you what the situation is. And then, in the back of my mind, I just thought, this is going to be bad. Like, whatever's happened is going to be bad. And we were chatting. Myra was a really, really nice lady. And um, we were chatting. And I, was, I explained to her also that when I spoke to Julian that, oh, Andrew, my, my uncle, his name's Andrew Julian, and my name's Andrew Julian. But they, it's weird, right? Um, he He's he's in the UK. And I, I've met, I went to meet him, met him a few times. It was a bit strange. I said, please don't contact anybody because everybody's got their own lives. They're grown up, got grown up kids. It's like fucking, they want some big loud nut job landing on the door going, oh, on your tongue. It's like, because it could just be completely devastating. Um, and only, only from my selfish point of view, which would be curiosity. No one, nothing else than that. Anyway, Myra, Myra said to me, she said that your mum does want to talk to you. She does want to get in touch, but. She wants to like let let it all sink in and and you know come to terms with it. And I said that's great. And I said I remember saying to her then, look, Mario, I was like, if it's a big deal, please don't push it. Just for, you know, I can disappear into the shadows. It's not it's not a big deal. It really isn't a big deal. Unbeknownst to me, but do um, Andrew, the my uncle, her brother had had been in touch with her, like going doing the complete opposite to what I said to do, like complete going, you've got to get in touch with him. You've got to get in touch with his son. It's like, I can't believe you're doing, not doing this to him. And I, I, I had no idea about any of that. None, none at all. Um, and I think his intentions were 
were good, but the delivery was fucking shocking. Um, anyway, so it turns out that uh, my mum was, was raped when she was 15, I think. And then um, she got sent away. She said it broke her heart um, when she got sent away. She got sent away to like a, a, a unmarried mother's home for a year, had the baby, and then came back. I was adopted very young. Um, and, I, you know, I know it, it's it's quite overwhelming the sounds and I and I kind of dismiss it a bit. But, I mean, it isn't it, – it, it is what it is. You can't change it and you just – it's not um, – it's not, I'm not searching for anything and I'm not looking for anything to make me complete. And I know it's an horrific start. But anyway, we, I, she, she got in touch with me on Facebook and we, we spoke and we, we video chat quite a lot. And, um, she came over because she lives in Canada. She came over and, um, we met at Myra's house, her sister's house. And it was like, I mean, as I don't, I don't know if you can pick up on it, I've got quite a strong character, personality. And I went into it thinking I could, I could, I, you know, I'm totally cool with it. I can handle it. And, um, I could, I did, but I only just, and it is the most bizarre set of circumstances you could possibly imagine. I mean, I walk in and like every fucking member of the family is there. So it's not just my mum. It's like, it's just like, a hundred people that you've never met that you were related to. My, my birth, my birth mum was there. Her name's Pamela. Her sister, Myra, her husband, her three daughters. They're like, and another half a dozen people. I couldn't tell you who they were. And they're all just looking at you like that. It's like being in a zoo. And we're all talking. We're talking about just stuff, you know, like just stuff. Um, very strange. Very, very, very strange. It's very difficult to kind of articulate the feeling of how familiar she felt. That was really weird. I've met I've never met this woman before in my life. But when you meet him physically, it it was very, very odd. But the second time I met, because there was a house full of people, I mean there was loads of people in the house. So it was it that was kind of a I don't know, a contaminated experiment if you like, because there was just too much going on. And and to be fair, when I left there, I had to pull over and sit for 10 minutes in the car to get my brain straight because it was just too freaky. There was too much going on and a lot. I'm just like, oh, fuck. But we met again maybe a few days later and she came to Brighton. Her and her husband um, and, her, and her sister again, Moira, uh, who were all great. Who were all great. Uh, and we had a little bit of time on her own and she, she, just, she just said that I'm so glad that, you know, you turned out the way you turned out and she... She thought you should think about you every day. All the stuff that you would do if you were a mum, I guess. But like, it was, um, it was, it was strange. It was really strange. And we, you know, we were still in contact now. I, from my side, it's, I know this probably sounds weird, but it's nice to know, but it's kind of as far as it goes for me. But I have to play it really delicately because obviously she's, she really wants a whole world of, uh, kind of relationship, if you like, which I, which I, you know, I'm doing, but it's, it's, it's just one of those things that, you know, be careful what you wish for. Yeah, life is weird. Life, life is very weird and you never know, you never know what's around the corner or what you, um, how things are going to work out. A big chunk of my life has been, has been late night venues, music venues and clubs and all things shitty. <laughs>
<laughs> and I kind of fell into that by accident when I was 28, 29. And I never used to drink. Right? I never used to drink, never do any drugs or anything like that. I used to ride pro snowboard, race motorbike, scuba diver instructor. It was all quite quick, clean living. Never, never used to go to bars or clubs. A friend of mine, who I'm still friends with now, Maria, she, her boyfriend at the time, used to run a club. Um, a big commercial nightclub, which was fucking awful. <laughs> and he needed an assistant manager. And um, I didn't think I lasted a week. It was awful. Anyway, on the back of that, I met a girl, Debbie. And we we, we really hit it off. Um, and she introduced me to a couple of builders. And one thing led to another. And then we ended up opening... Um, a club. We all of us ended up opening a club or a bar. Anyway, it became quite successful, and then and then I ended up meeting somebody called a guy called Rob, then another guy called Christian, and um, another guy called David. He he owns. I think he still owns Mahiki. We uh, we kind of hit on this this uh, theme of, of bars and clubs, and we ended up opening one after the other after the other, and they were all across the country. And then the clubs got bigger and bigger and bigger. And we were pretty good at it. We had, you know, we we had some cool stuff. I had Hammersmith Palais, Brit Awards, all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, there's I could talk about it for hours. There's loads and loads and loads of stuff different. With clubs, you get an operator and a promoter, right? There's back of house and front of house, like, and they they banned me from being on the door because <laughs> I wouldn't let anybody in. I'm horrible. I'm, it's like you meet these people at night and they're drunk, and you just think. Fucking no! Fuck off! You can't come in. <laughs> Look at the state of you. <laughs> anyway, I, my problem is I've got a big mouth and I'm brutally honest, and it just doesn't necessarily go hand in hand. <laughs> Especially if you've got to be public facing. I was a really good operator. I was a really, really good operator. I knew, uh, I knew everything that you needed to have to do. I knew how know how you make money. I know I, I was good at it. I was really good at it. Front of house. I was <laughs> well. I got kicked out of my own club three times, so that tells you everything. <laughs> I mean, eventually we had we had twenty up twenty eight venues across across the country, um, and I've seen some fucking some stuff that make your hair curl. Okay, one thing that sticks is like okay, back then you, SIA door licensing wasn't a thing. All right, so you basically all your all your all the doormen were gangsters who were run by the mafia or such like. <clears throat> and door companies is a really lucrative business. And it's all cash as well. So there used to be a bar in Clapham Clapham North called Boo. And I was in there one afternoon. It was when Blue Planet started playing or started, you know, on BBC when they first originally did Blue Planet. And it was, I remember that because I was watching it on the, on the projector. Anyway, we, I sacked all the door staff <laughs> about two weeks, no, about a week beforehand. It was the company, I sacked the company. It's, it's like, it's proper dangerous because they're all shit and they're all, used to, they're, all wank, they're all fucking wankers and they're just rubbish. Um, and I just had enough of it. And I was like, there's going to be repercussions to this. Like, um, <laughs> and it, a week went by and I was like, oh, maybe not. So... So I was in the office on the, on the Sunday in Boom and this, we used to have a guy work for us called Robocop because he's a fucking nut job. He was massive, like massive. And you like, you shoot him and nothing would happen. A beard covered in scars, ugly, right? 
So he walks in. He walks in the office with his big long coat on, and we started talking like just a normal conversation. Like, why did you? Start? Anyway, he pulled a fucking shotgun on me, sawed off shotgun, <laughs> basically stuck up my nose, and I was just looking at him like, <laughs> and um, I thought, if you're going to pull the fucking trigger, pull the trigger. If not, you're all sacked. So we had this bit of banter going on, and like, I'm desperately trying to forget that he's got this thing on me anyway after I realised he definitely wasn't going to shoot me or I didn't think he was going to shoot me I upped the fucking odds a bit (laughs) like the twat that I am (laughs) Um, and it turns out I mean we kind of we kind of struck a deal he he was the kind of henchman from the for the security company so he would go and sort out any problems but I I I'm me being me and as stubborn and stupid as I am, I weren't backing down. So we got it. We got eventually we got it still weird, but that that's kind of an interesting Sunday afternoon in Clapham. <laughs> there were people coming into my office on a Monday morning. Oh, do, you want, do, you want, do you want a line? And I'm just looking at them going, it's fucking 10 o'clock on a Monday morning. And then you take stock at this point. You just think, what, what on earth am I doing? <laughs> you just look around and you think, okay, I want to kill all of you. So basically, I just, I just stopped. I just jacked it all in and I, just, and then I had nothing to do and I was terrified. Never not had a job. I mean, I'd, I'd been thinking about doing it for like four years. I'd been thinking about, I was like, I've got to get out of this. I literally hate every one of you so much. Um, but money is a funny thing and you earn a lot of money and the money is a big draw. So you see, and you don't like, you get to a level, you get to a level. I mean, it's hard. It's fucking hard work working behind a bar, right? Working behind a bar is hard, right? Working in a club is hard. You get shit money, but the owners, luckily, you can make a lot of money at it. But I mean, it's a different time to, to what it is now as well. It's, it was, you know, it was a little bit easier than what it is now. Now it's all big like um corporations you've got you know you just franchise shit out so it's like it's like chicken cottage for the nightclub world and i just thought fuck i've got to do something else i'm like i've got to do something else i'm either going to die or someone's going to kill me so i left i just i put my keys down i said i'm not coming back then spent a year fighting over money um and thought fuck what am i going to do because uh, that's all i've known you know and it's a very specific kind of kind of work there's not very many transferable skills um, and um, I thought I know I'll uh, I'll go to university and I was probably I was 37 then and everybody says to me now it's like oh, what degree did you do what degree how did you come to um, how did you come to pick that degree and on my life I literally flipped through the prospectus and stuck a fucking pen, pen in it <laughs> I, just, I swear and the professor is like it's like a bible isn't it it's about a thousand pages and I just went like, I could have ended up studying like I don't know Greek mythology or so. it's quite as easy as easy to do you know but luckily what I what it, it came up on was um, digital media development was my, was my degree so I, I went to um, I went to uni and the, the course was three years and what, well, I, I was a bit, I wasn't going to go because it said you had to do a foundation course. And I went to the, I went to, and then spoke to them and they, and they, um, they were like, no, you don't have to do one because you're a mature student. And I was like, okay. So, um, <laughs> I remember this, this day. When I went up to, um, 
uh, I can't remember what it was. It was like an open day or end of year thing or something like that. And it, it was the students were there. And I was sitting at a desk and this woman was sitting next to me and she said to me, she said, oh, which one, which one of them is your kid? <laughs> and I was just like, brilliant. <laughs> I said, I'm actually doing a degree. And she was like, oh, oh, okay, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, they were young. They were really fucking young. But I'd come from a club background, so I was used to being around fucking idiots and children. Um, and it, they just weren't drunk at this point. <laughs> Unbelievably got um, a 2-1. And, and that's kind of how I sort of slipped into animation, really. And again, like pretty flukish. I was, it's funny. I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, fucking hell. I've done, like, I've worked for, I've done some stuff for territory that do all the, all the big blockbuster, you know, sci-fi films. I've just finished some TV ads for Martini. And I, and I was thinking, I was like, fucking hell. I don't, I, like, I sit there and sometimes I can't even remember doing the job. <laughs> I'm doing one at the moment. And I, and oh, it's weird. It's like last night. I was like, oh, that's. I was looking at it, thinking, oh, that actually looks really cool. Who did that? And I was like, oh, it was you. <laughs> it's so, it's so weird. It's like so weird. You get lost in it. It was really good for me. And I think if you were ever to think, if you were ever in a situation, it's like, oh fuck me, what am I going to do in my life? Oh, like I know it's, it was hard. It was, it's hard. And I think I was lucky because I wasn't married and I haven't got any kids. I think if you're married with kids and you need to change your life or career. It's fucking difficult, but I was lucky. I didn't have any kids. I wasn't married, and I, I the only person I had to support was myself. And I, um, all the way through me me t- having that degree, I was head doorman at one of the clubs in Brighton, which uh, is another fucking experience. Um, it, it's the best thing I've ever done. It was like it was brilliant, and I like the. <laughs> my dad always was trying to he's very academic he was always forcing me into doing a degree and I was having none of it I was just like no way but I wasn't ready I think you have to be ready you have to be in a certain mindset to think right fuck it let's do it and it was definitely the best thing I ever did um, and it, I got a lot out of it and I worked hard. I mean, I was working every day as well as studying every day. I didn't even think I'd finish the degree. I was never, I, you know, I'm pretty dyslexic. It was daunting. Don't get me wrong. Don't, don't, I didn't just breeze up and like sail through. I had to work for it. Um, but I think if you've got, if you want something bad enough, you'll, you'll, you'll go for it. Um, but there are loads of, every day, there are loads of pitfalls and, and decisions you have to make and, and things you have to deal with. And like every, every day, for instance, I wake up. It, one of the first things I do is, is read the news from around the world from, from probably 15 different websites. So you don't get all the same fucking bullshit. And very, very rarely is there any good news around. So you don't know. You, there's no. There's no guaranteed outcome of how that is going to affect your day. In what I'm trying to get to is, it's like you don't know that when you said you don't know that that's going to happen. You don't, but you just make the best of of what's thrown you away. I guess. I don't regret the nightclub era because it makes you who you are. There are certain things that have happened in there that maybe shouldn't have happened. Um, it's uh, it's definitely made you 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 learn a lot of things. You learn about people. You learn how to deal with difficult situations. You learn how to deal with basically life and death. You learn 
Um, you learn about pe- people's personalities. Up until I was about 30, I thought I knew, well, no longer, probably yesterday. I, you think you know everything, but at the end of the day, you don't know anything. Like, you, you draw an experience as you get older, and I, well, I'm 50 now, and I've drawn, you know, if I'm in a situation, I, I make this, I, I'm stupid enough to make the same mistakes over and over, but it's only because that I like, I give people the benefit of the doubt, if you like. I never used to be like that. I used to be really fucking hard, hard nose cutting. And I think all of that adds to what you become as a person and what you bring out of it is <clears throat> every, every situation you've experienced, you're going to take a little bit away from it. And the person you become, you, hopefully you're better than you were yesterday, if you like. Um, and I think what you learn is, that you only ever really have half a dozen really good friends in your life and they will stick with you for forever until you go. You're always, you know, you, you should be open. I, I'm, I'm probably the worst person to say this. I think you should be open with people and you should, you should give people the benefit of the doubt. But I think my problem with that is because I spent so much time in club land, you instantly make decisions about people, which are wrongly or rightly, but at that point in time, you've got to make a decision whether they're coming in or not coming in. They're going to be a problem. They're not going to be a problem. So you take, you take all these little bits of, um, experience and hopefully grow into a better person and and try and leave the world a better place than he found it thank you for listening to prelude if you've enjoyed this episode please support us by leaving a review subscribing to the show and following us on our social media channels links to which you can find through visiting www.preludeaudio.com And we hope you will join us again soon for the next episode of the Prelude Podcast.